0: You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast.
1: Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. We're going to preface this by saying that we had recorded a large majority of the show on Monday afternoon. And sure enough, things changed at 7.12 p.m. on Tuesday evening uh, when the Eagles sent out a press release stating that the team had released head coach Chip Kelly after just short of three seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles, so we obviously wanted to dig into that before we got into the main part of the show. The three-and-out segment of our show is more of a big-picture look at the roster. We discussed the loss to the Washington Redskins, the fact that the team's out of the playoffs for 2015, and we figured instead of you know really going heavy on a, on a preview of the New York Football Giants... Let's look at this team moving forward from the roster standpoint. So that part of the discussion is still good and valid, but we need to dig into what lies on the horizon from the head coaching standpoint. And, of course, I'm joined as always by Fran Duffy. Gentlemen. And Alex Smith as well. Hello, everyone. Brian Thomas, Chris Stevens, holding it down behind the scenes. So we'll, we'll get into the rest of the show. We have your questions. I'm mailing it in. We have a little fun on game time. But let's just discuss the team's decision to get a head start on the 2016 offseason by releasing Chip Kelly, what were your guys' initial reactions to when you would found out the news that Chip Kelly would not be coming back next season?
2: Uh, I mean, I would say I was shocked. You know, it was a, uh, obviously very unexpected in terms of, especially the timing of it uh, was very much unexpected. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an exciting time, though, for the, for the organization because now you have the chance to be able to start and continue to build in the right direction. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie spoke today about, you know, how the aim was to go from good to great last year Correct. and it ended up at mediocrity. And now you try and build up off of that and really try and get this entire program going in the right direction. So uh, it's going to be an exciting time, exciting few weeks as they find the new head coach. And then we really start to see how this roster and this organization starts to rebuild itself.
3: Yeah, I think the, the timing of it was the most surprising part to me. Obviously, I was surprised that it happened uh, at all, but the, to do it on the Tuesday leading into the week 17 game, um, was really shocking to me. I think the Eagles knew that they were taking a bit of a risk when they hired Chip Kelly. Uh, we heard from Chairman and CEO Jeffrey Lurie earlier today who spoke about how it was a bold move at the time. Um, and I think, you know, you have to take risks. There were probably safer choices out there. There were other routes they could have gone. Um, they could have, you know, gone, gone to a, a coach with more NFL experience, a guy who's been through a bunch of different organizations and has been through the league. Um, but they took a risk. They took a shot with Kelly. Um, I was a big fan of it when they first made the move back in January of 2013, um, and I don't think, you know, obviously it didn't work out the way that they wanted it to, but, um, you know, uh, I was I was glad to see them take the risk now, and now, of course, I'm incredibly intrigued to see what the next step is going forward.
1: It's amazing because I've been here full-time since 2004. I interned as far back as 99, Andy Reid's first year with the team, and it seems like every year there's something new. When you think you've seen it all... That's not the case.
3: I think we knew we were going to have uh, an exciting offseason no matter what. Correct. Uh, But I don't know if if many people saw this exact move coming, but uh, it ought to be a fun one, guys.
1: See, I admire Jeffrey for the move in 2013 to get Chip Kelly because he was number one on the team's list. He was the number one on most teams' lists at the time. He was the bell of the ball, so to speak. I furthermore admire the fact that he was willing to look big picture and realize that It was not working exactly right yeah and instead of waiting until after the final game which most teams would do after they call Black Monday for a reason they wait till the final the Monday after the final regular season games are done and then they usually make the announcements well Jeffrey had just been through this a couple years ago and realized look it's a chaotic process Mm -hmm. let me give myself let me give our search team six extra days he was not bringing back Chip Kelly under any circumstances. There was mm. no discussion of, well, if you cede player personnel responsibility, maybe we we'll no. work something out. No, they met Tuesday evening, Jeffrey, team president Don Smolenski, and Chip to let Chip know it's over. So to be able to realize that, look, it wasn't working out, and now that you're moving on, very, very much give him give props for doing this at the time
2: yeah no question about it and again you guys talked about the risk that was taken in 2013 and that risk was with the aim of being great and Mm -hmm. you know and obviously you have to try and continue to take those risks it's the same discussion that we have talking about sam bradford and the the decision to trade for him a year ago and give up a second round pick because you know what the upside was in acquiring a talent like sam bradford uh and we will see how this all shakes out but it's going to be very very exciting times and Uh, we will be covering it all on a weekly basis throughout the rest of the offseason.
1: No question about it. It The other thing is, I liked how Jeffrey said he wants time with the players. Yep. Mm -hmm. Whereas if he waited until next Monday to make the decision or make the announcement, players are gone. Players are going to play this final game on Sunday against the Giants. They're going to pack up their bags and be done on Monday. Have their exit physicals and get out dodge. Now, and as we're recording this, he's meeting with players in the building. He's spending time talking with players to find out what worked, what didn't, and what they would want in a head coach. It's just to further involve everyone in the process here. You know, he wants to get back to being a complete and total organization where everyone is fully invested and he wants to make sure that the players have a say and Jeffrey can help utilize that information to make the decision. That won't completely dictate who's gonna be the next head coach, but it's part of the evaluation process. Um, another aspect of it, I guess, looking forward now is who will be the next head coach. And we don't know names at this time. I think the team will be as transparent as they can be Mm -hmm. with the process. They were to an extent back in 2013. Absolutely were. There were some discussions that obviously, because of jobs they may have already had, had to be kept under wraps. But when possible, the team would announce that they had met with certain coaches. It was interesting to hear what Jeffrey wants in the next head coach because, it sounded like he's definitely not averse to going back to the college ranks, if mm-hmm. that didn't be the case. He's willing to say, look, uh, he's open to anything. He's not going to say that this one experiment didn't work out. Let's not go back to the well. Let's try whatever would be best for the organization.
3: Fans are not going to want the Eagles to go back down that college route again. But the fact of the matter is... They're trying to find the best leader for this team. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. Mr. Laurie mentioned uh, college coaches, current coordinators. He mentioned retired coaches. So wherever they have to go, they're going to search every single channel that they can uh, in order to find the best leader for this team. And you know, if if that means going back down the college route, um, I think that fans are going to be against it initially. But um, if they think they have the right guy, then they're going to go for it, and that's the way to go.
1: I think the. Last part of the process here is that the player personnel developments here, that that process is gonna change because instead of chip making the final say and having the power on that front, it's now gonna be more of a collaborative process with Tom Donahoe being promoted to a senior role and Howie Roseman being the executive vice president of football operations, that the head coach, Howie and Tom, will work together on formulating the 90-man roster and the 53-man roster and that's not just going to be Chip. Now, I understand why Jeffrey made the decision last January to cede that power to Chip to say, look, this is your operation. We want to maximize your potential. We want to see it flourish. Let's. We're all in. Let's see if you can make it happen. And as Jeffrey said, the results were mediocre in 2015. It didn't work. I think he now wants to step back and see a more collaborative process moving forward. And it's good to have the checks and balances and to have different voices and different expertise involved in the process
2: and there's a reason why it was set up that way before last before last offseason right for for that reason exactly for the checks and balances so uh there's a lot of time for all that stuff to get sorted out and it's going to be uh like i said it's going to be an exciting few weeks here in philadelphia
1: no question about it so again this is the special introductory part of the eagles Insider podcast now we're going to get into three and out where we're going to take a look at the roster again we recorded this on Monday, so there might be some things that uh, include in there you have to you know, kind of listen through. But nonetheless, it's 3-and-out, our look at the Eagles roster moving forward. One, two,
0: three, three three three. Three is a magic number. Three. Three. Now it's time for 3-and-out.
1: All right, so to kick things off on 3-and-out, I'm going to take a look And guys, feel free to jump in. I I think this is more of a discussion-based segment here this week where typically we would each kind of have our point and maybe you add a little discussion at the very end. But we can kind of go back and forth on the many different things here. So Kind of like a
3: group therapy session.
1: Exactly. That's probably the best way to describe it. So I decided to do the Eagles past and basically look at the moves that really kind of shaped the team for the 2015 season. And I'll start with, and I'm going to focus on the personnel moves themselves, and I will start with the first day of free agency, the first day of the league year, the trade to acquire Sam Bradford from the St. Louis Rams, in exchange for Nick Foles and a swap of draft picks, one of them, the Eagles' second round pick in 2016. To me, the Eagles knew that Nick Foles was not going to be the future of this team. they gave him a year and a half to solidify his chance here, his position here in Philadelphia. They didn't see a ton of upside and they realized that for them to take the next step, for them to become a playoff team that can contend, they needed a franchise quarterback and they believed that Sam Bradford coming off the two ACL had the talent, it was just a matter of him staying healthy. And I know a lot of people are saying right now, it was a big gamble with the number two pick involved. But to me, you hope that he will sign long-term. You hope that they feel like they've found their guy for the future. I think he's improved throughout the course of the season. No question about it. His performance since the beginning of November started has been very very good statistically he's passed the eye test just looked so much more comfortable in his offense that I want to see that carry over to a second year I want to see that stability come into place because you need that at the quarterback position and to me when they made the trade I know people said well they gave up a number two and Nick Foles to me that's nothing if you get your quarterback that's a very right. cheap price to pay
3: if you would have told me that if the Eagles can get this second half of the season Sam Bradford moving forward that's worth a second round pick I think that's exceeding what you would expect from a second round pick. So so I'm okay with it. I know back at the time when the trade was made there was people were shocked. People did not see it coming, but um again I think this second half Sam Bradford has proven that he's warranted a consideration moving forward. And if you look at Nick Foles what happened in St. Louis, I think he's kind of proven that that the decision that the front office made to trade him was probably the right one because he got he got benched for Case Keenum. I don't think he had any injury problems no. there. It was just a straight-up benching where he wasn't performing the way that they thought he would. They signed him to an extension right away, and I think St. Louis is probably regretting that extension right about now.
1: I would say the question moving forward is going to be, will he sign here beyond 2015? If he doesn't, then obviously the trade will be very disappointing. Sure then you'll definitely have given up a lot. But Chip Kelly has said numerous times he wants Bradford here beyond one year. And Bradford did say following the team's loss on Saturday that he wants to be in the same system for more than one year. And he said it's not up to him, but we'll see what happens After the season. I think it actually is a lot on his shoulders in determining whether he wants to stay in Philadelphia or not. The second big trade that took place on the first day of free agency, the league year in 2015, back in March, was trading LaShawn McCoy, the franchise's all-time leading rusher, to get linebacker Kiko Alonso. To me, I understood the move at the time because you needed to free the cap space. McCoy is getting up there in age. McCoy was so reliable and durable that at that position, You couldn't bank on that, and the Eagles had other needs to address. They needed to be able to have the money to get Bradford. They had to sign guys like Byron Maxwell. They needed to do something to free up the cap space, and they felt this was the best way to do it. So obviously Kiko, he had the knee injury early in the season. He has struggled on the field, but still I think the biggest thing, the biggest advantage you wanted to gain coming out of this was getting the cap space to be able to address other
3: positions, other needs, and I think the Eagles were able to accomplish that. The cap space was a huge positive, but if you look back at the Eagles roster at the time, inside linebacker was a huge position of weakness for them, depth-wise. There were games last year, after D'Amico Ryans went down with the Achilles injury, where we've seen Casey Matthews and Najee Good starting at inside linebacker. Emmanuel Acho. Emmanuel Acho. You just you didn't have the depth there. You didn't have Jordan Hicks at the time. Uh, you didn't know what Jordan Hicks was going to be, obviously, where he's at now. Like I said, D'Amico was coming off of the a second major Achilles injury. You don't know what you're going to get. They needed somebody in the middle of the defense, uh, obviously. Obviously, Alonzo was coming off an injury as well, but had a phenomenal rookie season. And in that first game back here with the Eagles against Atlanta, had that incredible interception in the end zone. And then the second game against Dallas, he hurts his knee again. And he doesn't appear to be the same player since that point. If that knee injury doesn't happen, how are we looking at that trade today? Yeah,
1: hopefully in a much more positive light. But still, at the time, that was the move that they needed to make to be able to free up cash space to assign guys like Byron Maxwell. You know, you go back then, they release. Kerry Williams, released Riley Fletcher.
3: Both of whom have now been released by their new teams. Of
1: course. You, you had Nolan Carroll, but you didn't have Eric Rowe. You didn't have EJ Biggers. You know, Jalen Watkins was a young guy. It was a question mark. You need someone to solidify that starting position. And, of course, you say, well, the Eagles had to pay a lot in free agency. Well, that's what happens when you dip into free that's agency. That's what happens. You're going to have to o- overspend. But the Eagles got a starting quarterback with experience in the league. And I think, you know, looking now – Everyone's saying, was it worth the investment? I think everyone was really kind of had their opinions painted by that Atlanta game. Because everyone thought that we want to see this lockdown guy. is going against Julio Jones. Great first test. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he struggled. The defense struggled. The Eagles lost the game. And I think at that point, from that point on, everyone said, well, Maxwell obviously wasn't worth the investment. I disagree. You need to get someone, a starting caliber corner, in here. And I think he's played better as the season went on. But I think everyone just has that picture of the Atlanta game seared into their minds, and that's all they can recall.
2: It's interesting because I think that a lot of people's expectations of Maxwell coming into the year were that he was a top five, shutdown type of corner. And, you know, good player, but he's not that guy. He wasn't that guy in Seattle. I don't think that people thought that he would be that guy. But like you said, whenever you dip into free agency, if you pick a, a top 20 player position you're going to be paying top 10 money I mean that's just what the market dictates especially at those prestigious positions anything that impacts the pass game quarterback left tackle wide receiver corner pass rusher any of those positions you're going to end up overpaying in free agency that's just the nature of the league that's why drafting and developing your own talent in-house is so important but you know really when you look at Maxwell I think that he's a good player who really kind of uh, continued to develop into the scheme and I think that he kind of came into his own in the second half of the year
1: next up the decision to sign DeMarco Murray. Again, the Eagles wanted to get a starting caliber running back in place. They had Ryan Matthews visiting the facility that day while they were working on the Murray deal. You know, to get a chance to sign the league's rushing champ, to hurt the Dallas Cowboys in the process, figured it was a win-win. Now, Murray has struggled adapting to the scheme. The Eagles have tweaked the ways that they've utilized him throughout the course of the year to get more out of him. Certainly, he's still young enough that I think the talent is still there. Obviously, the results weren't what anyone expected for 2015. and I think that's going to be one of the big questions that the Eagles will have to look at in the offseason is how will they either tailor the scheme or figure a way to get more out of Murray. But at the time, this is a run-based offense. Chip Kelly wants the running game to be the focal point of the offense and everything else developed from there, it made sense to get a guy who was coming off an 1,800-yard
3: season and was prolific with the Dallas Cowboys. You know, the Murray move was another example, uh, another illustration to me. There was no doubt that at the start of the 2015 season, the roster was— much, much more talented than the one that was here in two thousand fourteen. You know, you could argue that Murray and McCoy are pretty close, but like you said, he's the the reigning rushing champion. But you know, all across the board, I think Byron Maxwell on paper, you know, just from purely talent, Byron Maxwell was an upgrade. Kiko Alonso was an upgrade. But, you know, the thing is on paper and, and talent it all looks good, but you're never sure how these pieces are gonna fit together. And again, with Murray, I don't think it's a talent issue. You know, people want to talk about, you know, all the carries that he got in Dallas last season and, you know, tread on the tires and all that stuff. I don't think it's a talent issue. I think it's just finding the best fit, finding how he fits in the scheme, and really making all of these players come together as a cohesive unit. I think that's more than the talent side of it. I think that's the biggest issue that we've seen this year.
1: Two other things I'll touch on first, the decision not to re sign Jerry Macklin. Now, Macklin's having an outstanding season with the Kansas City Chiefs, who are headed to the postseason. 84 catches, over 1,000 yards for the second straight year, seven touchdowns. There's no question about his talent, no question about his work ethic, how he fit into the scheme. He's a phenomenal receiver, phenomenal person on top of it. Everyone was sad to see him leave, no question about it. But the price tag just went out of control when you had a receiver-heavy draft in 2014, another one on the horizon in 2015. Certainly ample opportunities to bring in young talent to develop. And the Eagles selected Nelson Aguilar, who from a measurable standpoint at least was comparable to Jerry Macklin. Now, Aguilar struggled in his rookie season. I'm not going to just write him off because of one bad season. We've seen flashes of the talent at times during the course of the season. The drops you know, and the penalties have been frustrating, no question, but not everyone is going to step in seamlessly into the league like Jordan Matthews did in 2014. Guys are going to take time. They're going to develop at different rates. But to me, still, it was the right decision not to re-sign Macklin just because of how high the price tag had gotten. It just wasn't going to be worth it.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that that's the one decision that uh, a lot of people are really, uh, you know, I don't want to say upset about, but a lot of the fans will point to, well, they, they didn't bring back Macklin. Obviously, the Eagles were very interested in bringing back Macklin. It's just that the price tag got too high. You can't overpay in free agency for you know five different players i mean you have to kind of pick and choose your spots they felt like they had young players at wide receiver with the ability to get another in the draft and at corner you had a definite need that you know going into last season we sat here a year ago and said the number one priority has to be fixing the secondary what can they do to fix the secondary they went out and got the best player in the secondary on the free agent market so you had to smartly spend your money elsewhere
1: uh the last spot i'm gonna hit is the offensive line because a lot of people are saying the eagles didn't draft they didn't bring in any free agents. Going into the season on paper, the Eagles were going to have three Pro Bowl caliber players and left tackle Jason Peters, center Jason Kelsey, and right tackle Lane Johnson. You knew there were going to be question marks at the guard positions because you were swapping out both Evan Mathis and Todd Harriman. Andrew Gardner had shown that he could start. He got injured during the course of the season. The Eagles were very high now on Barber. To me, There were players the Eagles wanted to get in free agency and the draft. It's not that they, on purpose, ignored the offensive line positions. They understood, I think, going into the season that there was going to be a risk here, that they knew they couldn't address everything. You know, players that they liked in a draft had gone before that they'd hoped. And if you look at the players they drafted, especially in those second and third rounds, guys like Eric Rowe and Jordan Hicks, I don't think anyone is complaining that those guys are on the roster now. Would you like to have a young offensive lineman waiting in the wings? Certainly. But I think the Eagles were hoping to get the most out of what they had this season and then be able to build on it next year. I wouldn't be surprised if moving forward, the offensive line becomes what the secondary was last offseason. That's a yeah, good point. It gets a dramatic overall. But of course, it all depends on who is available. No question. So to basically, to finish up my part three now here is just basically the Eagles took chances. And Jeffrey Lurie has said that he does not want a risk-averse head coach. He understood that some of these gambles were going to pay off, some may not, but you have to be willing to take chances. You can't fault the Eagles for the decisions that they made. Obviously not all panned out, but for the Eagles, the tagline all offseason was getting from good to great. They had to make some different moves, do things a little differently, and we'll see what they can do building on it moving forward. So I will transition that to the present with Fran Duffy to kind of look at what were some of the overarching themes of the 2015 season
2: really what it comes down to is i think there's two themes that you can look at and one on both sides of the ball and the one you just got finished talking about is the offensive line certainly is an area that needs to be addressed in one way shape or form going through this offseason and you know looking throughout the the course of this season the offensive line really i think is the the number one issue with this offense because really let's say for instance okay we'll say uh we'll say 75 plays on offense okay of those 75 plays you need, in order to have some success on an offensive play, you need at least four of the five linemen to be on the same page. How often would you guess that the the four of the five were on the same page? I mean, it, that was it, it was a crap shoot. It shoot. It was very hit or miss. Let's just say that that's maybe two-thirds of the time that they were on the same page. Now you're talking, you have 50 plays where... The rest of the offense all has to be in sync and say like okay you know if it's pass play that you know that Sam Bradford is able to to navigate the pocket is able to deliver an accurate throw on time and that the coverage doesn't try and make a play on the ball and then that the receivers then have to read the ball correctly and finish the catch. When you have all the other little issues, obviously drops have been an issue, inaccurate passes at times from Bradford had been an issue. You had Bradford who was out of the lineup for a couple games, you know, so the injuries were an issue. When you have all those other smaller issues, they are amplified when you have an offensive line. Line that doesn't consistently play well because now you're shrinking the opportunity that everybody else along the offense has to succeed if that makes any sense I don't know if that's no, kind of a sure. I mean really what you want is that offensive line to really be able to play at a consistent level throughout the course of a game and they just didn't get that play and that's why you know we think back to you know the, the middle of the season and the early parts of the season where you talked about execution and how it wasn't one central theme it was always well you know on this play it was a drop and then on this play it was you know, a missed block from the guard. Or in this play, it was, you know, Murray didn't hit the right hole. Or then this one, it was an incomplete pass because it was an erratic throw. When you have that one overarching theme of the offensive line not being able to do their job consistently, play in, play out, that amplified everything else. So to me, that's the number one issue offensively, is can the offensive line take their place in the next level a year from now? And that's looking at the players that are here now, and then anybody else that they're able to bring in, whether they're high draft picks or free agent pickups or somebody that's here that they're trying to develop, whoever it is that's lining up at those five spots next year, you want to just see consistently better play week in and week out, and that's just something that is certainly needed.
1: All right, folks, we're going to save the interview for next week's episode since it'll be the first one of the off season. Since, again, we went a little long here today. So, coming up next is going to be Enemy Intel. Time to get ready for game day. It's time for Enemy Intel.
3: Well, Fran, we've come a long way, but uh, this is our final Enemy Intel of the 2015 regular season.
2: That is correct.
3: I've learned a lot. Have you?
2: I have. Uh, I'm shedding a tear on the other side of the desk.
3: Uh, Certainly a sad time, but uh, always an informative part of the Eagles Insider Podcast. And uh, since this is the last game of the regular season, uh, I think the theme of today's uh, enemy intel is going to be looking at some of the Eagles' young players and looking at what kind of role they could play uh, this Sunday against New York. First up on the list, I think this is a matchup that a lot of people are going to want to see – If Byron Maxwell can't play, you have Eric Rowe out there as, uh, by name, your number one corner. Um, And he's going to be taking on uh, a motivated Odell Beckham after being suspended. Yes, ODB. Uh, A very motivated ODB after uh, being suspended for the game against the Minnesota Vikings. So Rowe versus ODB. uh, Obviously, ODB, one of the most talented receivers in the NFL um, how does Rowe stick with him?
2: Well, that'll be the thing. You know, I think that Rowe has played very well over the last couple of weeks. I-, I thought he played well against Washington. I thought he played well last week against Arizona. Uh, he's really, I think he's shown a lot. I think he's shown that he can be an NFL corner, uh, and I- I'm excited about what his future holds. This will be a big test, though. I- you know, and I thought that it- it's interesting going through and and looking at the-, the the game against Carolina. And everyone talked about that that matchup. Obviously, Josh Norman versus Odell Beckham. I don't think that Norman locked down Oda Beckham. I, I, I think that Beckham really uh, did a number, honestly, on, on Josh Norman. Now, the this will be a, a big test for, for Rowe because we know what he can be at the catch point. We know what kind of threat he is on the outside. I'm very excited to see how Rowe stacks up against the Giants.
3: From what you've seen uh, on film from Rowe this year, um, is he ready to be a starter on this team full-time moving forward?
2: I, I think so. To me personally, and, and that'll be the thing when you're talking about if you're bringing back Nolan Carroll or not. Uh, I, I think Rowe can be a starter, and he, he's shown that he can be. Uh,
3: next up, we move from the Eagles' second-round pick last year to the first-round pick, and that's Nelson Aguilar. Um, obviously, a very up-and-down season for Nelson. He, he had his injuries; he missed a little bit of time, uh, you know, adjusting to the NFL as well. Uh, but Nelson Aguilar, you know, this this is another uh, one final chance for him to really show what he's got. Uh, in his rookie season so how does he match up with what the Giants do in their secondary
2: you know I think really what you'd like to be able to see from Aguilar this week is uh, can he consistently beat man coverage and I thought that he did on a number of different occasions against Washington did a good job of of breaking open on a on a sluggo route he had on the very first play of the game he ran a really nice slant route uh, and took that for a first down I mean he's shown the ability to be able to win so now it's just can you do it consistently and Look, the issue with him for much of the season has been his hands. You know, a a lot of bad drops. He had another bad one in the end zone uh, on Saturday night against Washington. Can he capitalize on more of these opportunities when Sam Bradford's able to hit him, you know, square in the chest, square in the hands uh, with some of these passes? He hasn't been able to consistently do it. So I would like to see a big game for for Aguilar coming uh, into this game against New York. And I think it would make fans feel pretty good going into the offseason if, you know, if he had a game where he went six for 108 in a score. Sure. I think fans would feel pretty good about that.
3: Absolutely. Uh, when you watched Aguilar in the draft process last year, um, and when you look at him where he's at now in his rookie season, where, what has been the biggest uh, discrepancy from what, we, what you expected from him as to now? Is it his hands? Is that, is that the biggest thing?
2: watching him at USC last year I wrote down that it was one of the, one of my concerns was his hands and, you know you saw uh, not as many drops but you saw him fight the ball a little bit a lot of double catches uh, and that was an issue to me that you know that was present with him at USC now uh, when you talk to evaluators about how high in the on the pecking order do hands rank when it comes to receiver traits it's not as high as you would think it's still <laughs> it's important obviously it's the number one thing they're asked to do but if a guy can deliver big plays for you uh, down the field on an occasional basis, then you know sometimes those guys can make up for it in some ways. But uh, you know, I think that the big thing is is that you just want to be able to see him get better at the catch point this year. Uh, he wasn't a contested catch guy at USC; hasn't shown that he can be here. Uh, he's shown the ability to be able to win as a route runner at USC. He's done it at times here as well. So I think that for the most part, he's not a he's not a four three low four four explosive talent. He's a quick. Uh, elusive player he's really good after the catch he showed the ability to be able to be that guy in the NFL as well I I think that really what you want to do is just see him accentuate those traits you want to see the hands get better uh, and really just continue to strengthen those strengths of his uh, as a receiver and and
3: he's certainly gotten his opportunities as well he's gotten a ton of snaps it's not like he hasn't been getting playing time Um, and we'll see if he can really uh, put one final strong performance uh, on film here In 2015, Uh, Fran, the last player I want to talk about here is Marcus Smith. Obviously, first-round pick uh, 2014. He's been getting—he's seen a little bit more playing time as we've gotten towards the end of this season, but this really has to be make-or-break time uh, for Marcus Smith. So uh, taking on that Giants front, um, the offensive line, how does— you know how does he match up there, and what can he do to to put something on film?
2: Well, I think that this is an area where, look, this is a good opportunity for Marcus Smith because the tackles for New York have struggled uh, throughout the course of the season. You know, and and that was an area where the Eagles did such a great job of pressuring Eli Manning. Uh, back in the first meeting earlier this season on Sunday Night Football where you know they were able to crush the pocket from the outside. Brandon Graham and Connor Barwin did a great job uh, of winning with uh, with power and leverage, their speed and power rushes. Uh, if Marcus Smith can get on the field and then show that he can do that, that would be a, a good sign. Now, is he where he needs to be at this point? Absolutely not. Can he show some signs of life here uh, as a former first-round pick? That's the big thing because if you you know if you see another goose egg or if you don't see much, and obviously the coaches see him every day, so really it comes down to for the fans and for the media, sure. uh, you know, will they be able to see any kinds of any signs of life from Marcus Smith, the the former first round pick? That'll be the question. It would be nice to be able to see something on Sunday.
3: We will see if uh, if the Eagles' young talent can uh, shine here in the last game of the season. If you remember back in the last last year's regular season finale against the Giants, that was the first game that Nolan Carroll was given an opportunity to start outside. Uh, and obviously the coaches, he, he put enough on film that day, enough for the coaches to uh, strongly consider him moving forward, and he ended up winning the starting cornerback job. So um, certainly a lot at stake here in the last game for the Eagles. Uh, great stuff from Fran here in Enemy Intel. And now he will transition ahead into game time. Get out your scorecards. It's game time. Uh, Gentlemen, I know that uh, moods are down a little bit here at the Novacare Complex, but there's always time to play a game. And for today's game time, we're bringing back uh, an oldie but a goodie from the last time the Eagles faced off against the New York Giants. Today's game is two truths and an Eli. Mm. So I will give you, I will read three statements. You guys will go back and forth. I'll give you three statements. Two of them are the truth. One of them is a lie. Or in this case, an Eli. But before we start, uh, we have to get into, uh, as this is the 50th episode of the Eagles Insider podcast, uh, we have a couple of uh, roast pieces here. Uh, so let's get right into the first one.
0: What, what is it? Our 50th podcast. You don't you know about we, we have a podcast? Eagles Insider podcast? What? Does it air on? Is it like actually, you guys air it? It's on our website once a week. We do a funny segment. We have an interview. I'm really not trying to be rude, but I've never actually, I I didn't know this existed. I've heard of podcasts and I I heard they do really well, but I didn't actually know that. Is it yours? It is. I'm the producer. And people watch. What do you think about Chris McPherson? He's the host of the show. The only thing I know about Chris McPherson, it's the tall guy, right? I think that's him. The only thing I know is he goes, Welcome, Eagles fans, and I'm Chris McPherson. Other than that, I don't know if I can tell you anything about him. Other than I know he's tall. And I, I see him walking around here but I don't wait he's a host I'll be honest with you a lot of us were like what does this guy do and now I know I've been here 10 years I have never even known what this guy did <laughs> actually Christmas is about giving and new experiences and you just gave me knowledge on what his role actually is in this building and I'm I'm really thankful for that man. Yeah. What about Alex Smith he's he's the new he was the fill-in for Bowo. Are you talking about the, the quarterback from the Chiefs? He's here? Different Alex Smith. I couldn't tell you who that is. What about Fran Duffy? He's the guru behind he watches all the tape breaks down everything. Fran Duffy. Fran Duffy. One he's got a great name it's he's part of the Duffy family, they invented a electrical boat that you cruise around in harbors. They're called Duffy boats. So if he's part of that family, then he's he'll, he'll be all right. He'll be doing great. Uh, you think he's good at breaking down the tape? Do they still have tape? I guess it's all digital. So he's, he's, he breaks down digital. It's a hard job, dude, to break down digital. So, you know, I just want to say to Fran Duffy, I think you do a great job. And
3: hopefully you're part of the Duffy family boat business. <laughs> uh, so what I learned from that, <laughs> it's, uh, it's our friend John Durenbos. Uh, I learned that uh, Chris is just the tall guy Yep Who says uh, Welcome Eagles fans uh, John is very happy About Fran's family business
2: I know You guys didn't know That I was part of that tree I did, I did not You're royalty I am
3: And uh, you know John just once again Proved that the only thing I will ever have Going for me Is that I share a name With an NFL quarterback That's it Nothing Entireland. else That's it um, But that was good So we still have another One of those coming up We'll get to that later Uh <laughs> But that's a great way to start off uh, two truths and the lie. So let's dig right into it. Fran, you're up first today. Here okay, are your, here 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 are your three. Uh, here are your three uh, options. Here, Peyton Manning still leads the NFL in interceptions. Blake Bortles is second in the NFL in touchdown passes, and Carson Palmer has the highest QB rating in the NFL. Which one of those is a lie?
2: Which one of those is a lie? Can you read the Blake Bortles one again? <laughs>
3: I sure can. Blake Bortles is second in the NFL in touchdown passes.
2: And Carson Palmer Carson leads Carson Palmer leads,
3: rating. has the highest passer rating, and Peyton Manning leads the league in interceptions. Uh, Peyton,
2: Manning, Peyton Manning does lead the league in interceptions, so it really comes down to a 50-50 shot for me. Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, Carson Palmer leading in pass in the rating is a lie.
3: That is correct. Now you get a bonus point okay. if you can tell me who does
2: lead the league in passer rating. Who leads the league in passer rating? Uh, is it? Hmm. Is it? Is it Ryan Fitzpatrick? Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> who is it? It is Oops. Russell Wilson. Oh, uh, I knew it. I
3: was going to go Brian uh, Thomas' the doppelganger. Yes. Russell Wilson leads the NFL. Uncle Rusty. It's a one for me. Uh, C-Mac, you're up next. Okay. Uh, Start things off with some uh, wide receivers here. Wide receivers. Antonio Brown leads the league in receiving yards. Okay. Okay. Phillip Rivers leads the league in passing attempts. And Alex Smith, Ryan Tannehill, and Russell Wilson all tied for the league lead in sacks. Hmm. So you've got Rivers most pass attempts, Brown most receiving yards. Smith, Tannehill, Wilson tied for good, the most sacks.
1: They're all good options. All very good options. Ooh, I'm going to say that Antonio Brown does not lead the league in receiving yards. That is
3: correct. Who does for a bonus point?
1: I'm going to say he had a an amazing catch in the upset win over Carolina. Is that Julio Jones?
3: Correct again. Nicely oh, done. Two points. Brilliant. Two points. Uh, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. I gave Fran an extra point on that last one. He doesn't <laughs> deserve it. Uh, the score is 2-1, to c uh, Fran, you're up. Alan Robinson is tied for the league lead in touchdown catches. Ryan Matthews leads all qualifying running backs in yards per carry. And D'Angelo Williams is tied for the league lead in rushing touchdowns. I'm
2: going to go with the third one is a lie.
3: That D'Angelo Williams is tied for the league lead in rushing touchdowns? Correct. Incorrect. Ooh. That is true. Uh, the lie here is Ryan Matthews. Ah. He does not lead all qualifying running backs in yards per carry. He is second.
2: Who is, oh. uh, who is first? It, Any we, he guesses?
3: I was <sighs> going to say, Chris Stevens or producer, Todd Gurley. Uh, he was up there, but he's not number one.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, this I'm is uh, kind of from, a lower lower name, yeah, name you might I'll, not think I'll of. I'm going to go with uh, uh give me I don't know. This is a tough one. Uh who the, Chris Ivory. <laughs> Chris Ivory.
3: Incorrect. <laughs> oh, no 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 no. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> the uh the correct answer: Thomas Rawls, oh. Seattle, ah. at five point yeah. six yards per carry. Going Ryan Matthews at five point two. I knew
2: We're Alan Robinson was true because he led me to a fantasy football championship in uh, our in-house league. Congratulations! There you go. Thank you.
3: Uh, oh, the commissioner wins, huh? Yeah. Funny how that works. Uh, C-Mac. Get on next my level. up. <laughs> uh, next up. This one uh, has to do with former Eagles, and part of this you already gave away, so you you already know one part. That's uh, that's uh, you already know one part of this. All right. So. Kurt Coleman leads the league in interceptions. Okay. Jeremy Macklin has gone over 1,000 yards receiving. Okay. And LaShawn McCoy is in the top 10 in rushing in the NFL. So... What was the first one again? That Kurt Coleman leads the league in interceptions. Uh, or is I'll, tied for the league. I'll say that's the lie. Correct. That is a lie. He is tied for seven. Excellent. With seven. Uh, two players have eight. Can you uh, name one of them? So one point already for CMAC. Chance for a bonus point.
1: I'm just trying. I'm trying to think of who's had a significant amount of picks this season. I mean, I would think Josh Norman, but he's tailed off. So I don't have it.
2: Is it? Can I steal? Uh, yes, you can steal. Is Marcus Peters on there? Yes, he is. Mm.
3: Fran steals a point. Marcus Peters and Reggie Nelson. From Cincinnati both have eight. I would have gotten that one. Uh, so,
1: he went eighteenth, something like that.
3: He yeah. did go eighteenth, yep. Uh he also leads the NFL in uh passes defended as well, Marcus Peters. Uh so uh checking our scorecard, C Mac three, Fran two, we're back to Fran for this one. Uh this one's for the kickers. Fran Great. no kicker has missed more than five extra points this season. Exactly one 60-plus-yard field goal has been made this year, and two different kickers have had four field goals blocked this year.
2: I guess it would be the second one is a lie. Which one? The 60-yard field goal. Incorrect. Oh. That is true. I know Brandon McManus kicked the, the field goal, the 60-plus-yarder. Uh,
3: I don't think so. No, it wasn't. Really? It. No, it was uh, Greg Zerline.
2: Ah. I could have sworn uh, it was McManus. Okay.
3: Greg Zerline has a 61-yarder, which is the only 60-yarder this season. Got it. Um, so, was it the missed PATs? It is the missed PATs. That's correct. Somebody has because more than
2: five missed PATs. Is it, this is incredible. Is, is,
1: it, is it? Is it? I know Blair Walsh is up there. Walsh, I think, has like five. five. I think he had five because he missed one last night. Or we're recording this Monday afternoon, Sunday
3: night game against a Giants. Jason Myers from Jacksonville has missed seven extra points this year. <laughs> He's 32 <laughs> of 39. Wow. Seven mixed extra points. And then the other part was, uh, the last one was true as well. Two different kickers have had four field goals blocked. I know the Cleveland guy has. Correct. Travis Coons is one. Graham Gano is the other. And that's interesting that, you know, Carolina's had such a good year, but uh, Gano's had four kick blocks. Yeah. Four blocked <clears throat> kicks. Uh, so, c with four points. Fran still with two. And we go back to c for this one. Uh C Mac, we're talking turnovers here. Talking turnovers. The Dallas Cowboys are the worst team in the NFL in terms of turnover differential. Okay. Jordan Hicks is still tied for the league lead in fumble recoveries. Okay. And the Kansas City Chiefs have thrown the least interceptions of any NFL team. I think Hicks is the lie. Correct. Nicely done. It's gone! Let's <laughs> go one. Like that. <laughs> That's very good. Uh Jordan Hicks is not tied for the league lead in fumble recoveries. He is second. He has four. Uh, no, he has three. One player has four fumble recoveries. <laughs> uh, this is a player who's been in the news within the last couple weeks.
1: I
2: have, I have no clue.
3: Friend, chance to steal.
2: Uh, is it Josh Norman?
3: Ooh, incorrect. <laughs> Charles Woodson. Uh, uh, okay. Four, inter- four fumble recoveries this oh. year. Uh, C-Mac, you're up to five points. Fran, you're still at two. Uh, So this game's over already, but we're going to keep going. Uh, Fran. If you ain't first, you're last. That's true. Fran, this one's uh, all Eagles related. Okay. Ryan Matthews leads the Eagles in rushing touchdowns. Riley Cooper leads the Eagles in yards per reception. And Malcolm Jenkins leads the Eagles in total tackles.
2: Uh, I will say the Malcolm Jenkins total tackles one is, I don't know. This is a tough one. Second guessing myself.
3: Ryan Matthews most rushing touchdowns. Riley Cooper most yards per reception. Malcolm Jenkins most tackles.
2: I'm gonna go second one. Riley Cooper yards per reception. Is he false. changes
3: his mind yes. and he gets it correct. Now for a bonus point, this is big actually, because you might be able to catch up. Yeah. Who does lead the Eagles in yards per reception? Think long and hard about this one.
2: Is it Miles Austin?
3: He was second. So Nelson dumb. Aguilar. You are really dumb. Nelson oh Aguilar is also incorrect. Really? Now, the, the caveat here so he had one catch.
2: is that
3: this player has two catches oh, on the Trey season. Burton. It's Trey Burton <laughs> at 24 and a half yards Trey. per reception, leads the Eagles. Oh. Uh, so, C Mac with five points, Fran with three. Um, C-Mac, we come to you for the last question. Okay. This is all about uh, our friend uh, Eli Manning. I, it's still can, Eli. I still
2: can tie it up because I can steal the point. I'm and not get sure the if, there's a, if there's a bonus for this one. <laughs> oh, that's great. There
3: might be. There might be. We'll, we'll that's get fine. It's fine. Uh, C-Mac. Yeah. Eli has thrown for less than 200 yards in three games this season. Okay. Eli has never had a season as a full-time starter in which he's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns. And Eli has a career completion percentage under 60. Ooh. Uh, let's see. I, I think the first one is the lie. That he has thrown for less than 200 yards in three games correct. this year? That is the truth. Really? That is the truth. He has done that. So, Fran, you can steal. And if you get the bonus.
2: I will say the second one, the interception to touchdown ratio is is the lie.
3: That's correct. You're right. Oh. Excellent. So here's the bonus. I, see I would have thought it was chance for a tie. To say, I don't want to say anything. Cause. Which season, what year was it that he had more interceptions than touchdowns?
2: 2009. Incorrect. Wait, I thought I thought the second one, mm. I thought it
1: was that he never had more interceptions than touchdowns. Right, and right. that was a lie. That
2: was a lie because he did. That
1: was a lie. Oh, well, it was his rookie season of 04.
3: Well, I said full-time starter.
1: Full-time starter. Got it, got it, got it.
3: Fran said 2009. That's incorrect. It was actually 2013. Ah, oh, okay. He had 18 touchdowns really? and 27 picks. Oh, that's right. In 2013. Uh, yeah. fr- Fran, yeah. I got to give you credit. You made a, a valiant comeback. It was a, effort very, there. It was a valiant effort. Because I, I I declared that the game was over. And to yeah. me, you still had a chance. Uh, c comes away victorious. But you were correct victorious. though. The game was over. Yes. c comes away victorious. What it's time to be alive. Five to four. C-Mac with the win. Uh, but we still have another roast segment to get to oh boy so we can't we can't end game time without getting to that
0: so we're here with Chris Maricos So I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts about the guys, the host of the show, Fran Duffy. He's our film tape guru. Breaks down all the tape. Writes uh, Eagle
2: Eye in the sky. What are your thoughts on Fran? Tan Tan McGuffey. Is that who that is? Uh, <laughs> Fran Duffy. Oh, Fran Fran Duffy. Never heard of the guy. Have no idea who he is. <laughs> Probably just some Joe schmo. I don't know. Is he off the streets? Who is the guy?
0: He went to Temple. I mean,
2: he breaks down all the tape. I don't know. Last time I checked, I always have nothing on a badger so
0: uh, he's losing right off the bat. And then we have uh, Chris McPherson. Does our interviews. As the host of the show.
2: What do you think of Chris? Chris? Was, does he want to be me? Is he, is he trying to be Chris Maragos? I don't know. Uh, he's alright. He stutters sometimes. You know, I mean, eh, I don't know. He, he's okay.
0: And then we have Alex Smith. Filled in for
3: Bo Wolf. What are your thoughts about Alex? Alex Smith, the quarterback? You know, I mean, he throws a good ball, I guess, you know? I don't know. That's the only Alex Smith I know. It's cold-blooded. Classic. Classic. Yeah, Chris Maragos. Who knew that Chris Maragos was going to I know. come after us? Of all, the, of all the people in the locker room, Jeez. Chris Maragos comes after us. I didn't really expect to, didn't expect that one, but. Uh, Again, the only joke, the only knock on me is uh, the Alex Smith quarterback joke. But, uh, so I guess that's game time, but we do have one more, correct? Let's finish this strong with uh, our last soundbite here for our 50th episode.
2: Hey guys, all fun and games, man. We love you guys. You guys do a phenomenal job, and uh, congratulations on your 50th episode.
3: What's up, Eagles Insider Podcast. Congratulations on your 50th episode.
1: What's up, guys, from the podcast. Congratulations on your 50th episode.
3: Hey guys, from the Eagles Insider Podcast, I just want to congratulate you for your 50th anniversary. Very nice. Uh, I Brandon Bear sounded actually sincere there, which is good <laughs> because the other guys clearly don't know who we are. They're <laughs> like, oh, what? They <laughs> the other guys clearly don't know us. <laughs> and Brandon Bear probably doesn't know us, but he's such a nice guy that he like He played he, it off. He genuinely meant when he when he congratulated us. That's nice. Who are the other guys? Yeah, I was trying In to figure list. that out. DJ Biggers, e. Baker's
1: okay. Chris. Chris was was the lead off. Brian Brayman, okay. Brayman. And Brandon Bear, okay.
2: Well, Br- well, Brayman and Bear have both been on the show, so I would hope that they know.
1: Yeah. Well Brayman was on it last year. So. That's true. So it was Bear.
2: Well, oh, he's on it this year. Was he on this year? Yeah.
1: Because we talked about the uh, oh, that's true. Oregon commercial he did. That's right. That's right. Yeah.
2: Well, oh, he was on last year, too, and that's what, in the off season. We talked about uh, what was his favorite food, that frog... Oh, uh, uh, Frog stew? Frog stew or frog cake or something? Yeah. Frog, some frog kind stew. Of frog stew. But it wasn't yeah. like really a stew. It was like a dessert. Yeah.
1: It? It's like everything's just kind of thrown sounded together.
2: sounded good. Just, you know, never heard of it. Uh, that's it. That's well, all I got. thank you, guys. Uh, so, we nice appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Yeah.
3: Thank you to our producers, Uh Chris Stevens and Brian Thomas as well uh, for putting that together. Nice job. Uh, We need to market ourselves better or something because Eagles just don't know who we are, which is fine. (laughs) Let's mail it in.
1: Captain, incoming message. Please check your mailbox. A new message has arrived.
0: And now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in our segment mailing it in.
1: All right, so we've gotten a little, little long on some of the segments on today's episode, but we still have a couple of good questions from you, the fans out there. The first one comes from Zach Trapp at Z Trappity, on Twitter. What is, and kind of a theme of looking ahead to the offseason, what's the biggest need for this Eagles team? Um, well, I'll let you guys stew over for a second. I think first and foremost, you have to get the quarterback situation figured out. Yeah. That's the most important say. thing. You know, whether the team decides to re-sign Bradford, whether you re-sign him and draft someone, whatever, whatever you do, you've got to figure out what you're going to do moving forward at the quarterback position.
2: Above all, that's the number one priority. Outside of that
1: – Yeah, let's go number two now. Yeah,
2: outside of that, I would say offensive line. You have to figure out how to improve that area, whether it's free agent draft, you know, get better in terms of developing the guys. However it happens, the offensive line has to be better in 2016.
3: I would agree that the offensive line is probably up next on the list here, but the secondary is not far behind because we talked about it already. Nolan Carroll's a free agent. Walter Thurman's a free agent. At this point last year, we were saying that the secondary was, you know, the biggest spot that they needed to upgrade, and and they did, but I think they're going to need to, you know, identify what they want to do and, uh, you know, put something in place here because we've seen that if, if you don't have a secondary that this, uh, this defense could fall apart. So I would probably put it in that order. I would go quarterback, offensive line, secondary.
1: I say edge rusher. Number three. You know, <laughs> Fran talked about the issues from this season and not being able to generate a consistent pass rush with a four-man front, with a four-man rush. Vinny Curry, who c- gives you quality snaps off the bench, is scheduled to be a free agent. You don't really have a number three outside linebacker to rotate in behind Connor Barwin and Brandon Graham. So I think edge rusher actually would yeah. be more important for me than the secondary.
2: I would, I would say that that would be the next up in the list. To me, I, I would say it goes after offensive line, it would go pass rush. Yeah, you know, and you just have to fight. And it doesn't even need to be a guy that's going to start right away ahead no. of Brandon Graham or Connor Barwin. it's just someone when it's a passing down, who can you line up outside that's going to consistently generate a pass rush down in, down out. Uh, that's, that's what you need.
1: All right. Two more questions here. Next one comes from Jorge Quinones. Uh, it's at J O Quinones on Twitter. Jorge wants to know what is going to happen with Jason Peters at the end of the season. And I will say, you know, obviously injuries played a big role in his performance. Now, When he was able to start and finish games, he was doing fine. And I understand people are going to say, well, he made the Pro Bowl and he made it based off his uh, previous resume. And certainly there's some validity to that, but to me – he's still a good starter when healthy the question is how much more are you going to get out of him at this point
2: I think he's the left tackle next year I, I don't and I don't think that's you know crazy to say I, to me he's far from your list of big issues right now on the team and and to me I think he's the left tackle
3: yeah you know people are throwing out theories about you know they should move him to guard move him that's inside that'll it's yeah, no. it's yeah I don't I don't see that happening whatsoever so I think yeah I think he's the starting left tackle next year as well uh, last one
1: comes from at Eagles troll a good friend of ours on Twitter does the C The Eagles' 2015 season hinder the ability to sign or re-sign free agents this offseason. To me, no. I mean, guys who are already here, you know, contracts going to be a big part of it. You know, at least they're going to know what they're getting here in Philadelphia. And I'm sure the role moving forward is going to be a big question with those guys. For the outside guys, again, I think it comes down to the same things. It's the role they're going to have and, you know, what the contract is, getting on the open market. So, to me, I don't think it should hinder teams or hinder players from wanting
3: to sign here in Philadelphia.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I I don't think it's going to play uh, too much of a factor.
3: Yeah, I think if anything free agents are going to look at the Eagles and say that, you know, this is a talented roster. This is a team that has a lot of good pieces. They're only a few pieces away from really finding their groove and getting back right on track. So, I don't think that I don't think the free agents are going to want to stay away from Philly or anything like that. it's, it's still going to be, you know, one of the destination places for players.
1: All right. Well, that is going to do it for this edition. Of the- By
2: the kid, we all know that the move- It's not made of green cheese. But what if it were made of barbecue spare ribs? Would you eat it then? I would. (laughs) We know Fran would.
1: No question. That's the 50th episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Again, thank you very much for downloading and listening and being with us through the last couple of seasons. Make sure to rate and comment on iTunes or Stitcher wherever you consume podcasts. Special shout out to our producers, Brian Thomas and Chris Stevens, doing an outstanding job behind the scenes. Don't forget to download our other podcast, the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast with Fran Duffy and Greg Cosell, as well as the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Just because this is the last week of the regular season, we will still continue To have podcasts next week, I believe we're going to try to do this weekly. We will moving forward in the off season. So next week we will drop some more knowledge on everyone out there.
3: Gonna have to come up with a lot of games.
2: Keep those games flowing. Although we, we'll figure it. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll make it happen. (laughs)
1: We'll make it happen. So for Fran Duffy and Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. You have been consuming and enjoying and listening the Eagles Insider podcast.